Hey there, friends of Dealership Fix It. You fix it, folk. Um, hey, welcome back to another episode. Uh, it's Brian Croft doing the Dealership Fix It podcast here, uh, talking to you guys, you dealership individuals, anybody that uh, works at a dealership, anybody that works uh, in the business, distributors, manufacturers, anybody that touches dealers and uh, know their, of their importance. That's who this is going out to. Um, thanks for joining us. Um, I've got today on with me an old friend, um, and got some interesting stories. I don't know which ones we'll get into, but um, from the goggle world, the best goggle in the world. Just kidding. Um, I won't do any pump up. It's Primo Morato with Scott Goggles, Scott Sports. Primo, welcome to the Dealership Fix It podcast. Good to be here, Brian. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, man. It's funny. I think uh, when I first started doing these, I had you on my list and I don't know if we talked about it, but I feel like you might've said like, I don't know what I would say on one of those. <laughs> and I'm thinking, yeah. you always got the best stories. <laughs> well, from a dealership standpoint, <clears throat> if they've showed up at a couple of trade shows, there's no doubt that we have stories. <laughs> yes. You're well known at the dinners out and the evenings out between that and watching you juggle goggles in your booth at those shows or you name it, mm -hmm. man. So, yeah, um, been around, been around a while. Been yeah. So while. yeah. And, and you've had, you had a long history. I won't make you delve into too much of it. I know you've shared it before, but it's sort of a br br brief or as much as you want to share overview you, uh, you've been with Scott how long? Uh, well, if you add the two stints together, uh, over 17 years, actually this week is my ninth year anniversary on my second stint back to Scott USA. Happy anniversary. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's good. It's like any anniversary. You got to work at it. Yeah, exactly. Well, you've been there a long time. You and I met, um, when I was working at a shop in Texas, I was a parts manager at a shop in Texas and, uh, at that time, I was looking for a gig that would be in the business, but out of a dealership. So I was looking to uh, to uh, jettison off away from, you know, a physical brick and mortar location and be uh, some sort of a rep. And you guys back then happened to be looking for somebody to cover that South. Um, and that's when you and I met. That was, what year would that have been? 2005? I was going to say four, four, five. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I remember I think yeah. I showed up to the interview with you at a barbecue place. Was I wearing a suit? Is that how I did it? You you know, and I and I will and I'll tell anybody out there. Better to come to an interview overdressed than underdressed. <laughs> and and yes, we did. It was I can't remember. I mean, in Texas there's a ton of barbecue, but this was a chain. And yeah, I was in polo and jeans and you came with a suit and I just went, ah. That's impressive. That was impressive. <laughs> Especially in Texas, probably during the summer. Yeah. And I didn't even know you were from, you know, upstate New York ah. back in the day. Either. I had no. no idea. And I mean, that's where I was from. So, I mean, we had a connection immediately. But you coming to an interview at a barbecue place in a suit made a good impression, Brian. Well, and what do they say? This I think sometimes the, uh, the your failures are, are where you learn the lesson from because... When I showed up to interview with you for the Scott job in Texas, 
I had been just coming off of, I interviewed with Yamaha for a job that in hindsight, I'm so glad I didn't get, but I wanted it. And it was in Cyprus, I guess, right. Is where Cal is in, it was where Yamaha yeah. was in California. And, uh, and I'd gone there in my suit and didn't get the job. And, uh, and then yeah. I learned about the Scott opening and I'm like, heck yeah. And I didn't want to miss it or mess anything up. So I way overcompensated with my suit and shiny shoes and, oh man, <laughs> It worked out though. It worked out. I mean, and for the short term, it worked out. We hired you. Uh, you did great, but unfortunately, there was a change in direction. So we can. I'll apologize for that. But a lot of people left at that point in time. So. Well, you know, this. I, I don't know exactly. You know where our stories go in, on this episode with you, but it it, it made me think <laughs> of like you were the job that I got working for you and for Scott in those days. That was that was just like a continuation of when I first went to shops. I remember thinking, wow, I get to do this. You know, it's just so much like this. I get paid to do this. Oh man. People that go to offices are schmucks, you know, like yeah. <laughs> you got to do what you love, you know? And I loved dealerships initially. And over time it wasn't maybe me. I wasn't made to be in one physical location all day, every day. But when I got the gig with you, it was that whole thing over again. And for the term of it, doing that job, it was that totally, uh, but you, you were my, exit of dealerships, my entry into sort of sales, you know, proper or the, the role that right. is an outside salesperson. So it's a lot of great memories and definitely between you and some of the other crew we worked with there, um, still close friends, with a lot of those guys, which I think is, is pretty typical. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that was, it was a great time too. And it was, you know, pre you know recession, you know, not like we're in one now, although I'm pretty sure we are. But back in 2008, I mean, those were great times, man. And, and the motorcycle industry itself was phenomenal at that point in time. You know, everybody was making money. Everybody had fun. More people were coming into it. But our crew at, at Scott, probably top notch by far, by far. Everybody, everybody loved what they were doing, enjoyed it. You know, whether we were going into dealers, whether we were doing shows, whether we were doing races, um, it was really a, a great group, good core people, and very knowledgeable, very knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we definitely had a good recipe. Um, I was, you know, it was back, you know, I don't know what year that would have been in the 90s, sponsored by Scott, you know, as an amateur motocross guy. And uh, I remember Bevo's signature, you know, ink signature on my little amateur contract and all that. And mm -hmm. So I was a Scott guy from way back. So it was awesome to go to work for you guys. But I remember, you know, when I was, you know, an early, maybe a teenager, it'd be like, if, if I had 20 bucks from working a job in the far on the farm, you know, throwing hay bales or doing whatever mm -hmm. I was doing at the time, I remember 20 bucks in my mind was like, I can get a new pair of goggles, you know? So we're in a, we're in a different world in terms of the technology and then the associated price tag to it. But right. man, there's almost nothing like a fresh pair of goggles with the fresh goggle smell, you know, especially <laughs> to me, it's, I mean, goggles are great, but the idea that you guys are the last one made in the U S who else is made in the U S anybody else? No, no. Okay. Smith was with us, but Smith, I mean, they make ski stuff, but as far as moto goggles, we're the only one left in the U.S. Okay. Yes. Which, you know, I was just... Make saying. a note of that, people. Make a note of that. <laughs> well, it's, it's important. I said for many years, you know, I mean, years ago, 
you know, I knew that I've worked for, for a manufacturer slash distributor with a top level gear company before. And I know the, not only, you know, it's, if somebody would love to have something made in the U S but also the lead time issues, the, the barriers they have to put up with in getting stuff made overseas to try to make it profitable and and make sense for their company. I get, you know, where all that can make sense for them. Um, but I know that I would always think, man, if there were just, you know, like, let's say there's a gear company that gets made in the U S which there's at least one now to my understanding. But I remember thinking, man, you know, what premium would I pay? What premium would someone be willing to pay and how can that not make sense? So anyway, all that in the soapbox to say, I'm glad Scott's continued to do the goggles here in the States, you know? Yeah, we're fortunate for that reason too. I mean, we don't have a lot of lead times and it's funny not to get off track, but you bring that up. We have a set of a model of grips, the radial, which are, are made here in the U S as well. It's just your standard, you know, black, blue, red, gray, those are made here in the U.S. We have, you know, zero issues with those as far as uh, from a production, production, getting, you know, products that we need in inventory. Now, we also make a dual density one. Those come from China. Mm-hmm. Those, it's a crapshoot. Sometimes they tell us six months, it's nine months. Sometimes tell us nine months, it could be a year. So we really have to, you know, be careful with, you know, our, our POs to them because we're not, really not sure when they're going to come. And sometimes they'll come on top of each other. Uh, and I'm sure dealers have, have definitely run into that. I know I've seen that over the past eight to 10 months where people have ordered stuff. They haven't gotten it. They reorder it. And all of a sudden they're getting twice as what they ordered because they haven't been able to cancel it and they're getting it right on top of each other. So um, it, it is an advantage for us having, you know, some models of grips made here in the U.S. and all of our goggles made here in the U.S. because we don't have to worry about, you know, that six months or nine months or whatever it is, lead times, hoping that they're going to show up. Yeah, I think, um, you know, probably the level of disruption that people and companies have had to deal with in the last, in the last couple of years, you know, is not what everybody got so used to. Everybody got so used to, yeah, we just... We order it, we plan out X number of months ahead, get the cost and everything figured out, we hit go on it, it arrives, the timing's perfect for the season, and then you have, you know, supply chain issues that have occurred, and, um, you know, I think it's kinked up a lot of people's businesses. I I am not so intact um, with, you know, I'm not sitting at a shop anymore these days to to witness that firsthand at the level of retail, but talk to enough of different people that tell me their stories, and Although I don't think that's normal, I think that's maybe one of the positives of of continuing to try to do whatever you can do in the in the country in the in the land that you're actually your company is and doing business in. So, and most of that now has to do with and, and you hate to bring it up, but the pandemic really created a lot of chaos. It it really did, and you know from a dealership standpoint, everybody was fat and happy. Say a year and a half ago, through you know a, a good period where First, everybody thought it was going to be a disaster. Then it turned out to be, you know, an explosion of people coming into dealerships. And, and everybody's aware of that, that in this industry. Uh, but then things started to really back up. And, you know, whether it, it's, it was, you know, manufacturers trying to get bikes or just parts 
or whatever it was, that's really what created more of the chaos and where people were ordering more to make sure they had it. Um, and it, it was, it was due to this, this damn pandemic that's still going on for the most part, that's still creating a lot of issues out there. And, um, that's where, you know, the 60, 90 day, maybe 120 day thing people were used to. Now it's, it's, I don't want to say a crapshoot, but it's, it's different. You don't have that specific amount of time to wait because stuff can be sitting, you know, in California or offshore just waiting and you don't know when your stuff's coming in. Right. I know that our other division, our bicycle division, they, they have that issue because they deal directly with, you know, the bicycle dealerships directly and, and they have that issue. Yeah. And that's, you make an interesting point too. You know, the, um, you know, for anybody that's been in the business long enough, it probably is, you know, they understand that. But if, if so, you know, if somebody's listening to this and they're newer to the business, you know, let's say they're talking to somebody in parts or, or a department that, mm-hmm. would, you know, deal with getting their customer Scott products, goggles, grips, you know, the different pieces, they may not realize that Scott was ever direct, right? Cause it was for a minute, right? A hot minute or whatever. <laughs> Right. It wasn't, right. it wasn't, you know, you guys were distributed through the key players and then decided to do a component that was direct, right. With some different, I don't know, it wasn't different ownership. It was different management at that moment. Right. And there, yeah, a little bit of both. <laughs> and, and then, and then back to, right. You're not, you know, you're, you're doing distributor stuff, more lean, uh, portfolio of products and uh, just Correct. taking care of distributors. Distributors will make sure the dealerships are taken care of, which is this definitely as a guy who worked directly as a Scott show and tell guy, you know, around a whole portion of the country, putting a ton of miles and loved the job, but it's not the best and easiest things for dealers to be unsure of who they're getting. I mean, to have options is great. And some would say, great, I want to order direct. But that's not a good ongoing thing. The, the the distributor reps that are in your in your store every day or every week, you know, those are the ones I think would definitely make sure you're properly taken care of with it as long as you get as long as you get the FaceTime. And so I know you guys get the FaceTime with dealers at shows and And that's I mean that's that's funny you bring that up. There's there's benefits for both. I mean, as far as going direct and, and there's companies out there that, that do that, you know, they're set up properly for that. And then, you know, most of the, the, the vendors, manufacturers that go through distribution out there, um, there's a benefit to both. And, and for us, um, I'm going to say the benefit is, most of the risk is now in the distributor. Distributor buys from us in bulk. They go out and they sell to the, you know, 7,000, you know, moto dealers that are out there. So the risk from a financial standpoint, the burden's mostly on them. But from an educational standpoint and, and trying to get all those reps online and make them, I would say make them, but try to educate them to educate the people in your dealerships is difficult. But when you're going direct, you have direct contact. You call them, talk to them, and you can still do that now. But the turnover is much faster, and you're seeing more dealers through your reps. That's why, from Scott USA standpoint, having either dealer shows or 
distributor meetings with the reps was always good because you, then you'd try to get them one or two good gravy points for your product and have them go into the dealership and, and sell it that way so that they have the product to sell to the consumer. But a lot of it is still just, it's, it's marketing. Uh-huh. Uh, not taking anything away from any dealer, but most dealers are going to take the path of least resistance. Guy comes to the counter, he's either got something in his hand or he's going to ask. I don't know how many guys come out from behind the, the parts counter and take them over to the area. There are a bunch out there that are really good at doing that, but some aren't. They'll either point to the director saying, yes, those, you know, that's our, our gear over there. Those are the, you know, the boots over there. You know, pick what you think you like. That's why we try to take care of the guys behind the counter saying, hey, look, if you want to be a pipe piper for Scott, and you ride, let us know. We'll try to hook you up. And then you tell us if, if, if you like our product, we'll continue to work with you, but we want to make sure you're trying to sell that product to the consumer when he comes in. So, um, you know, having the distributors and the reps is good. Going direct is good. But I think from a financial standpoint, that's where, you know, a lot of companies, just can't take that risk with trying to go direct with five to 7,000 dealers and trying to collect payments. Mm-hmm. You know, you need a big, need a big financial apartment to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, did I go uh, off on a tangent? Was I off on a no, tangent? I, I think you did. I think you did good. That's all. That's, you know, it's, it's funny because like I say, that's, that's stuff where if somebody has been in the business for a long time, they've seen that, that change from one to the other and then back or, or however it ended up in the, you know, like the years I was there and around, um, but you know, anybody that's newer may not have realized, you know, and, and then we had gear in the U S for a minute, you know, and, and, um, right. you know, you guys still have gear overseas. I assume I'm not looking through the whole webpage, mm-hmm. here, but, uh, but that stuff, yeah. you know, like, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's good. It's good stuff. But, and it, and it's funny, Brian, you bring that up. It probably would have worked out pre recession. I mean, because the, the, the motorcycle pie was gigantic you know, before 2007, it was big. And, and anybody that had any type of motorcycle product was jumping into the industry and they were selling it. Unfortunately, you know, the change of management, the, the owner definitely got pushed, uh, was pushing us into a different direction as well. The, the problem being it was, it was, you know, post-recession. So the pie had shrunk. And us trying to get gear into the industry at that point in time was just so difficult. And that's why, you know, there was a lot of animosity in Scott sports globally. And, you know, that that was the biggest issue. The product, I mean, we're a goggle company in the U.S. Everybody knows that's what Scott is. It's a goggle company in the U.S. Now, over in Europe, yeah, they have gear and they, they do... Uh, adventure gear as well, jackets, boots. I, I mean, and everything's high quality. It's just, it's two different cultures, mm-hmm. two different cultures between Europe and the U.S. And and I just focus on the U.S. That's my job. And and we drive the ship when it comes to moto. Mm-hmm. You know, so they have a lot of other stuff. But trying to bring in gear, well, we do bring in some just because people may want it, and it's a good brand, and it's made for marketing. But as far as to try to sell it. Uh, amongst all the other companies that have gear, it'd be foolish. Yeah, I just, I remember, uh, you know, being a part of that, 
you know, sales of that gear when, when it was in the U S and like you're saying, it's, I, I don't feel like we would ever have done when I was one of the reps done it service. And I sold really well into the programs, you know, it was like, Oh, you get, here's the different programs you get to sell the gear into. And I sold, I, I quite a few programs. And, uh, I remember others in the country that were selling the gear and not that much of it being sold and being like, wow, how are right. we going to, how are we going to make this happen? This must be a multi-year thing, you know? And then of course you got leftover gear and you get leftover gear another season and you got leftover, you know, definitely not the way you want to be known. Um, no, no, exactly. Exactly. Um, I mean, but, go ahead. Go ahead. Shoot. Oh, I was just going to say from like a purist standpoint, you know, to go and do one thing exceptionally well, you know, I, I, that's maybe goes along with my personality type. You know, I love to do many things. My brain goes a lot of different directions, but sometimes it just feels so good to be purist and, and really good and driven deep on, on one thing. Um, you guys, I haven't, um, you got like what, then how many, how many goggles you got these days? Like which, which types of goggles are you into these days? Um, adult wise. Yeah. Three, three models. Okay. Three, 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 and I mean, then there's OTG, our over the glass, mm-hmm. which is probably one of our best sellers. I hate to say it, you know, guys, you know, my age, your age, <laughs> yes. you know, they, they, they still, they still like the moto, but they have to wear their glasses. And, you know, our over the glass goggle by far fits better, works better than anybody else's out there. And again, like you said, being a purist, we are a goggle company. Mm-hmm. We're one of the few that are still out there thriving as just a goggle company and you know made in the u.s our research development and everything it's it's based on our riders and you know we've got we've got really good people and we tend to like to think anyway we know what we're doing when it comes to you know safety and that's why our tagline is we defend your vision so mm-hmm. i remember doing um I mean, and I guess this is probably pretty typical for, for product development or R&D or whatever, but I remember when I was there and having, who do we have, like, you know, Chad Reed and Villapoto and a bunch of those guys were, were Scott guys. Yeah. And um, I remember John Knowles at the track and he'd always have these like unique builds, like what is that foam configuration? You know, you totally, <laughs> totally geek out on the different, like what's that? Well, that's something special we're trying for Chad and, you know. I want that. I want to try that. You know, yeah. of course, uh, all of us that worked at, yeah. the, at the place were like, we want to try that weird configuration. <laughs> and sometimes you try it and you're like, oh, I don't know how anybody deal with that. Oh, that person sweats right. a lot or whatever. Like, you know, these different scenarios. Yeah. But um, you guys, I remember what was it, the the design, what was it, the no sweat when it changed to the XI, right? That uh-huh. That frame with the articulating little deals on right the and it had that funky little vent thing that you could put on top of the uh-huh. frame uh-huh yeah yeah but i think yeah. around that time wasn't that when the no sweat design foam was you know instead of dumping sweat directly back down into your eyes it was like you know helping to channel it around to the sides you know and away from vision yeah. right now it's part of the frame but it, it's funny you say that now because we don't need to manufacture any new types of foam for our riders, you know, whether it's, you know, you know, Mookie or Jason Anderson or the guys from pro circuit or Husky that were our premium foam and, and not to pump the brand because we want to talk about the dealers, but if the stuff that we make now 
is so good, we don't have to upgrade it just for a racer. It's right off the shelf, the same stuff they're using. I mean, if a guy wants to throw one of those little, you know, mini pads on it, they do, but I'd have to say 95% of the time, none's needed. Mm. None's needed. That, mm. that no sweat foam that we have now, it's got the red uh, belt around it. Mm. It's phenomenal. Brian, I guess that's so, so good. I guess that's where it would ultimately lead to, right? Uh, you know, I mean, ha- having sort of massive quantum leaps isn't how it goes over time. It, that has to happen maybe earlier in the process. And at some point you're just doing fine tuning. Like you say, it's changing the frame shape. Maybe the frame be better if it's this way. We'll run that same foam configuration. I have to think that's, right. the, that's the way it gets over time, you know? Yeah, it's amazing. I say I've always said, you no know, goggles isn't rocket science, but it's amazing the amount of engineering that goes into it and the testing that we do do. It's 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 pretty amazing. And again, that's why I like to think we are a premium brand when it comes to you know the guys that are looking for performance. Mm-hmm. Do um, what's that like? You know, in shops these days, from your perspective. I mean, I know you're in and out of shops and you do shows, you know, when, when you're out traveling anyway, um, what's the mindset are. So when I was at shops and then I went, you know, and I sold premium stuff in shops back as premium as it was back in those days, I think a premium goggle though, back in those days was 60 or something bucks. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and that's changed. And I know that I've been out of shops for a whole lot of years. Um, but now a premium price tag on a goggle is a hundred dollar ish goggle, right? So, at least, are you? Do you witness, or you know, if I walk in a shop today and I'm like, you know, sell me a, a nice quality goggle, is, is a guy going to try to sell me? Do they still exist a forty or fifty or sixty dollar goggle, or do they all bring you to the good stuff? Or what's that from your perspective? Or when you're in there, what do you think's going on with that? No, it's funny you bring that up because I mean, I. Being the, the national sales manager, you know, GM, I've probably been in uh, five or six different areas just this year. You know, whether it was the Northeast, you know, um, down in uh, Georgia, South Carolina area, uh, Arizona. I'm, I'm located in, in Nevada. So, you know, the Southwest. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's different. But. Premium shops or race shops normally carry our stuff. I'm going to say the mom and pop shops from back in the day that, you know, just want to have a goggle available. Um, we're probably not as predominant in those shops, but, you know, the $100 goggle, it, at least from our standpoint, ours lasts a little bit longer. You can, you know, wash them with your gear. So you're getting the dirt and sweat out of them. But it's more of the premium shops that will will carry our stuff, or race shops, guys that do have a lot of, you know, customers that do a lot of racing, a lot of a lot of performance oriented shops, definitely carry our stuff. Um, low end, that's probably where we've lost a lot of market share, Brian. And and I hate to say that and say it out loud because it just bugs me. Because as you know, right. we probably you know between the eighty three back in the day we probably had 60% of the industry covered, but because our stuff is made in the U S we, we can't compete with that overseas goggle price point. We just can't, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's probably worth the five extra dollars because it actually is better, 
But the people that are buying that $25 or $30 don't, don't look at it that way. They just want, ah, oh, that, that looks cool. And that's what they want. And they're paying $25, bucks, right. where we're just a little bit more. So premium, yes, we'll be in those shops. And guys guys know that because the performance uh, that, that we have in our product definitely works. Yeah, I can see that and, and imagine that would be the same. And I remember, you know, when I was traveling for Scott, it was a lot of, you know, when I'd be closer to a metropolitan area, you had a better chance of, I mean, it wouldn't be like it would be all premium stuff because, you know, even in the bigger cities or close proximity to bigger cities, you still had, you know, people who worked at a shop and their customer would walk up and say, what's the cheapest helmet I can get right. for my kid, you know? <laughs> Right. And it's like, yeah, really? Is that what we're going for? Well, he's going to grow out of it, in, you know, this year anyway. So I yeah. get where they're coming from and what they're trying to accomplish. Um, goggles, you know, that same thing would apply. Like what's what will cover their eyes and be fine. They're going to throw it in a gear bag. The foam's going to rip off tomorrow, you know, so I can't yeah. spend a lot of money. So I get where that could be an area that the price sort of competitiveness in there to make a cheap, cheap, cheap. But yeah, I, I, I can appreciate and, and I see, you know, I've you know worn your stuff even to now um, mm-hmm. and I see the what's happened to it. And it's there's some big, big price tags, but um, I can see where, um, you know, you definitely are are a premium, the premium goggle. And if and if anybody cares, which they should, um, you know, guys, shops thinking about their customers and the conversations, you know. What's the difference between all these goggles? Well, does it matter to you if it's made in here in the States? Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. What's the difference in price? Oh, no, it's comparable price for a premium pr- product in these premium ones, you know, but these ones are made in the U.S. Oh, wow. Okay, well, I'll take those. You know, if somebody right. that doesn't and, know them, obviously, but. Nah, and, we're, and we're not the most expensive. I mean, there's definitely plenty of models out there that are more expensive than ours. I just think that where we're priced, you know, if you go, you know, the good, better, best, our better, best might be three or four dollars, maybe five, ten dollars more than some. But there's some that are, you know, forty, fifty dollars more than ours. If you compare us to those, there's no doubt uh, our product line is so much better. And I, and I do. I, I hate to say that because I know that this isn't what this is about. It's about the dealerships and you know, I'll tell you what, if, if there's three guys out there that are listening, they can find my email. Don't tell them they can find my email. I can send them a 50% off code. If they want to try one of our guys, email me, you find my email. Again, my first name is Primo. That'll, that'll help you. <laughs> email me and I'll send you 50% off code and you can try whatever goggle you want. We'll yeah. see if anybody's listening. <laughs> exactly. That's a call to action. We've got a call to action built right in the episode. Oh, shit. I just got an email. Holy <laughs> mackerel. It's fast. Nobody was listening. Oh, it's probably one of my uh, kids. They heard us up here. Uh, <laughs> they're on their emails. That's funny. Uh, uh, but, you know, you've been in the business a, a whole long time. And um, you, you're, well, not that it matters geographically, right? You're doing a job and, and, you, and you cover and, and right. the whole country. But you and I are both from upstate New York. And, um, the joke usually is upstate and, and, and somebody thinks, where's that, you know, Poughkeepsie is that just, you know, like an hour sure. out of the city? No, 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 that's way, you know, we're way upstate near the throughway, you know, or something, but, um, right. 
So you lived there a whole long life, and then more recently you moved to Vegas, um, trying to escape yeah. some snow shoveling is best I remember. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, you know, you're still traveling. You're doing, still doing shows and stuff. What um, what shows and, and things have you been doing? What's been going on recently? Um, well, the the, uh, the last that industry show was actually right here in Las Vegas, the AIM Expo. And uh, it's unfortunate because I, I don't know if the industry is just like losing touch with those big shows because there's so much stuff that's readily available online. You can find it, you know, wherever you want and, and, and get the information you really need online. So from those type of shows, you know, the indie days are, they're gone and they're, they're just gone. I mean, that, those were the heydays. Now, um, the, the shows that I prefer to do are the ones with, you know, um, the reps, you know, distributor reps. Now, WPS you know, just had a show and again, trying to educate them. That's, that's our main, our main focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do a lot of grassroots stuff, Bill Brian. We're, we're out at, you know, races, promoting the product and, you know, letting guys know, look, we are here. We are, you know, the goggle that you need if you want to go racing it. And I think that's maybe our mindset going forward because since we are, and I hate to say it, we are a throwaway society. I mean, you look, there's 60 inch, you know, big screen TVs, you know, for 400 bucks. Right. Do I want a warranty on it? No. Cause if it goes bad in two years or three years, I'm just going to buy another one anyway. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's, you know, the uphill batter that we were fighting when it was an entry level type industry. Now we got to focus more on the premium side racing and our grassroots. Like I said, you, you, you raced when you were a kid, you raced for a long time. That's where we just got back from Loretta, you know, and it's, that is amazing. I'll say that going to Loretta Lynn and seeing the size of an amateur event that big. And it's not just the racers that are there now. It's people going for vacation, watching the event. Mm-hmm. It's gotten so, so big. Mm-hmm. Um, the same amount of racers have to, you know, qualify. So that's not getting any bigger, but it's just people coming to the event. Mm-hmm. So the industry is, is, is doing good, but we have to focus as our company being a more premium brand and marketing it that way. Uh, because I don't think we're going to get you know, the $25 goggle anymore. Um, and Brian, I think like side-by-side industry, the dealers that are doing side-by-side are killing it, but it also kind of hurts, you know, the gear company. Uh, oh, because because yep. nobody's wearing, I mean, back <laughs> in the <soon>. day, <laughs> right, right. I mean, exactly. I mean, back in the day, I mean, it was me, my wife, my three kids. We all were geared up. Mm-hmm. We all had a bike. Now if a family goes, they're getting a side-by-side, they're just throwing the kids in back. Maybe they'll buy goggles. Maybe they'll buy a helmet. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you know, parts and accessories, you know, it's, it's all about the vehicle and not about the people anymore. Well, so, at I, least from I, that standpoint. I'd like to think that anybody listening to this, if you've got a parts department or you're in the parts department, you know better than to sense. I mean, obviously it can happen and you can't force somebody to buy something. A guy can come in and buy a side-by-side and be out the door and, how did he not get put through the parts and accessories department? Well, he's in a hurry, just got it loaded up and he never came back in or whatever. I get it. And I've, and I've been there, done that. But those, you know, we hear so many stories of, you know, a guy, you know, 
rolling the side by side or something happens and somebody bonked their head and they're never the same. Or obviously I, I right. always tell my kids, we'll go ride, you know, street bike, just like through the neighborhood mostly because my kids are little, but they'll sit on the bike. We'll go for a little quick rip around. And, um, it's always like, do I have to wear something on my eyes? Absolutely. Do you want to be able to yeah. see? <laughs> yeah. Is that important? Yeah. How, how important is that sense to you? Um, yeah, no doubt. You know, long sleeves, jeans, you know, you're not, yep. not going out in a t-shirt and shorts. Yep. But I, don't, I, don't. I have to so, imagine, I have to imagine with, you know, the, the premium, you know, being more in, invested in like, you know, yeah, we're not afraid to be the premium product in that offering. Um, I, I mean, we were always good when I was there. I have to assume it's, it's carried on as sort of, if there's a warranty issue getting that taken care of, I know that we were bend over backwards when I was there. I have to assume that would carry on when you've got, you know, an ultra premium level product. And that that's probably one of the, the other things that we stand by. I won't say more than anybody else because I don't know our competitors, you know, customer service side, but for, for us, Yes, there's usually hardly ever any questions asked. As long as I see a photo, I can tell you, you know, that's just abuse. Or if I'm not sure, we'll take care of you. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, Scott has always been that way. And like you said, you've seen it firsthand, and we're very, very fortunate. And, again, having, you know, manufacturing and our factory and warehouse here, it's easier for us to do that. If we get something back and we go, ah, we made a mistake, it's like, okay, We'll tell the guy, you know what, this is what we really found. It's cool. Hopefully you're still going to be a Scott customer for life. And, you know, that's the way we look at it. And we're fortunate. Uh, a lot of dealers that have always had Scott continue to carry Scott. And if there's ever, ever been an issue, hopefully we've taken care of it. Mm -hmm. Do you, um, I hadn't, I should have looked you up on YouTube to see if you had anywhere distributor reps or anybody grabbed a, some primo videos these days, right? It might be a thing. They, you might be on YouTube. <laughs> I, I just think about like the times after I worked for Scott, when I was still in the business in that side of it, and I'd be at distributor shows and things, you know, and, and you'd see you with your booth, you know, cool graphics, cool product displayed nicely and people come over and it was like, <laughs> you're juggling goggles or, you know, name that thing. What's the, what's the, uh, what's that look like these days? You, you got anything, that's primo esque of you that you're doing and you're and you're showcasing. No, I think as I've gotten older, I'm, I don't want to say I'm more professional. <laughs> I think I've just calmed down the wildness part of it. So, uh, but when we do we do shows, um, we we tend to to be I I, I don't want to say flamboyant, you know, mm -hmm. but we we definitely try to be more engaging, you know. And back in the day, Brian. We were still known for performance, but we were the, you know, the black, red, and blue goggle. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, we started with, you know, the BCA, the breast cancer awareness goggle, mm -hmm. you know, hot pink and, and hot pink strap and everything. But if you look at our graphics nowadays, like I said, it's, it's, it's part of, you know, the interest where it used to be just ski stuff that people wanted more flash and flair. But we have that but we also have the performance to go with it. So that's, that's the biggest thing. If you look at any of our booths or anything that we do when we, we do attend, whether it's a race, a trade show, um, our graphics on our products are so much more interesting and it really attracts people. It's, you know, it's like a fishing lure. 
You know, mm-hmm. it really does. Mm-hmm. It really does bring people over to the booth. You know, well, yeah, so- no more, no more juggling, no more drinking, <laughs> um, unless. Unless we're in Europe, then we make sure. So I mean, we're doing the MX of Nations, and I think we're going to be drinking at the MX of Nations setup. So, <laughs> well, I guess that's to say that um, you you can thank your uh, your art and graphics department, right, for their designs for absolutely for, that you can scale it back. And like it said, be if it's more professional. I don't know that. You know, sure. I don't know if you're supposed. To, you're, gonna, you're gonna have to get your suit on, like when we met. How I showed up, no. but the. Um, yeah, the graphics definitely. If they if they stand and and wow, but you know, goggles are a thing that uh, people definitely, um, you know, I think yeah, I think about all the best kits, you know, in Moto Gear and things that I've through the years been like, oh, that was just a great you know setup that right. I, of gear that I liked, and a lot of times it was certainly contrasted. You have everything, you know, it might, you might all match head to toe. Your boots might be a different color, and your goggles and gloves might be a different color, you know, and and get some wow factor in those, you know. I don't know. Everybody's got their own taste, like anything else. It's fashion. So, oh, yeah. But yep. that's an area where definitely you get some wow factor on that visual. You know, and and it's funny you say that. I mean, back in the day, of course, I wasn't a very good racer, but I would make sure that I always wore either a black helmet, and then when the, the matte finishes, a flat black came out, then I made sure, you know, working for a goggle company, you could see it. You know, whether it was the high-vis yellow or the fluorescent pink, you couldn't miss me, you know, regardless of whether I was eating dirt or is actually upright. <laughs> for point. You'd, you'd see that flat black helmet, but then you'd just see that goggle sticking out because it was just so bright and so cool, even though my style was very uncool. <laughs> yeah, that was that would be when I was in Texas working with Scott. It was I'd go to the track, and, and I didn't do a lot of racing, but I'd do a lot of ride days and things, and Right. My favorite setups would be just like your, yeah, you know, like a bright, like a, maybe it's a fluorescent, it's a pink or whatever goggle. But I always really liked white, and white's bad in the South, you know that red yeah. dirt. Nothing stays yeah. white, but it looks so good, you know that. Uh, I don't know what the what the sales look like these days. Like you say, it used to be, you know, okay, how many blue goggles are you gonna take? How many red goggles and black? It was like right. a lot of black goggles, and same with grips, right? It was that same. Yep. Simple, yeah, and that's still, yeah, that's still today, Brian is. Black's still the number one seller in, mm. in both our grips. And, you know, whether it's, you know, black with a little bit of white graphic from a goggle, but grips, it's, it's all black. But, yeah, still a staple throughout the, the line. You know, whether tie-end or over-the-glass, black is by far the number one seller. Mm. Um, let me think what else. Things that, that I hadn't talked to Primo about in a long time. What... Um... Anything that, you know, people working at shops would be surprised to know about Scott in a good way? Anything kind of, you know, either going on or trends or things that Scott does that, you know, you don't brag on, anything like that? Uh, I think if, if you're, you know, in the industry, you're well aware of the product. I think for us as a company, it's because we have so much history, we kind of sit back and go, well, we're Scott. We know that. But there's so many new riders, and I think mm-hmm. that's why we need to do a lot more either dealer training or why we continue to do grassroots is because we'll get the 50 and 65 riders, and, and you know, they're so used to seeing all the new stuff that they don't realize the history with Scott. So uh, the education that we provide them it gives them a little bit more um, 
I'm not sure the word uh, that they're more comfortable with. No, stop. Oh, I get it now. You know, show them, look, on the back of the podiums from the 80s, that was Dunlop and Scott back in the day. I mean, we helped, you know, Supercross. We helped Motocross be part of that because between Dunlop and Scott, they were the first sponsors of all those events. So, uh, you know, maybe that's something that people don't realize that we've been around that long, that we still put so much back into the industry. We just like to see it come back to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been, um, I mean, I guess maybe I'm a Scott guy from way back, but I'm always like, ooh, ooh, I, you know, somebody gets the podium and I see the goggle around their neck. I'm always looking, okay, how many Scott guys are on the podium? But obviously, yeah. you know, yeah. I was, I lived, I lived that life for long enough that that's what I think of. And then I think of that, you know, you've got, you know, John Knowles there at the, and he's got the, the fresh pair with the, you know, to go up on his neck. It's not the ones he rode with. And it's, it's real interesting to me, like you'd said that there aren't custom foam configurations going out there. That's when I was still there, that's how it was, you know, everything, the, most of the riders that might've been, uh, you know, approaching the level of prima donna, they, uh, yeah. you know, they, they had their own, like, <laughs> I, can't a have, few of those. <laughs> I, I can't have my foam in that way. And, you know, then you have built it out and they put a pad on the back of it anyway. Uh, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, and we had a good weekend this weekend, you know, uh, we won both the 250 and 450 overall. So, mm -hmm. and, and it's funny, you mentioned, I, I always watch podiums and then I'm looking, it's like, all right, the goggle looks good around his neck. Or if the guy's doing an interview and he's holding the mic in front of him, go get the mic out of the way. He can't see it. <laughs> Isn't it funny how brand conscious you can be when it's the oh, one that, that you so live and funny, die on the, the, the buzz that comes from that. And Oh, it's so funny. But I mean, there's value in that. It, and it's, and it's funny. I, when I worked for Dunlop back in the day, I remember sitting in, in one of the video booths and there was a long stretch. It was at a road race. And I think it was up in Brainerd where good old Craig Johnson lived. Mm -hmm. um, and they had BIR. And I talked to the one guy in, in the video booth and he goes, look, if you put a banner here, it's out of the way of the racers. Should they crash, they're not going to hit it. But you're going to get so much TV time when they come down that straightaway. And I just went, I can do that. And they go, We'll let you know if it's in the way or not, you know, from a rider safety standpoint. And they just said the value of that, seeing your banner for that length of time means so much. I, the value, I don't know if you can put a price on it, but it means a lot. And, you know, maybe dealers need to realize that as well, depending on where they put their stuff in their shop. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. Well, yeah, absolutely. That's why, you know, shop you know, I, and I, and I think from a certain little window of time in my life, and I think of certain shops that continue to ring through, like we could have done this better. We could have done that better. It's hard mm -hmm. when you're in the shop and you're working it every day, but that's why fresh eyes is important. Go and see some competitive shops in your area. Know, oh, wow, th this would work well where I'm at. Oh, and then you walk in and you realize, oh, I need to update that, or I need to clean that, or I need to organize that, or, you know, name all those, all those right. things. And that and that's why we like the spinner displays in dealers because you can get it from any angle, mm -hmm. any angle. You know, the yes. footprint isn't very big mm -hmm. for a shop floor, mm -hmm. but having that spinner display being accessible from 360 degrees and, you know, you got the, the little square Scott signage at the top of it. That's, I mean, for us, yeah, it's like a candy dispenser, but from a marketing an advertising standpoint, it works so well in every dealership. That's the current, the current uh, display. 
is the the spinner yep. style is still the current one okay because that yeah you, you guys came out with that when i was there that was the yellow yeah. black back then but then it went to like is it white and black now or something yep correct okay correct still got it yeah newer design because we changed boxes so often you know some of the little baskets that would fit and some wouldn't fit in other boxes but now i've got a design that will fit every one whether it's a kid's box or you know the film system that's got a huge box so that's it's good for any dealership that's looking for a good Scott goggle display. And if they put other brands of goggle, you go in and hook a tow truck to it and you yank it out, right? They got Usually, it. yes. <laughs> yes, or I'll start throwing the boxes in the corner. <laughs> it's, um, you know, it's it be, being at a shop and sometimes, you know, you don't get to have all the tools at your disposal that you want. And sometimes guys will, you know, I get it. They'll start putting... Oh, this display, let me just yank the label off this and put whatever I yeah. want. This can be my we, display, and it's like... Eh. Right. Yeah, we've seen that, for sure. <laughs> uh, what, um, let me think, for dealers... I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, there's probably plenty, and if I, I wish I wish I had some... We should, uh, I should have three-way this and had somebody from a dealership on just to ask some dealerships. Sure, to ask questions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but, well, you know, if they hit you up or they write in... I've, Feel free, Brian. You know, I'm more than happy to, you know, hang with you at any time. Cool. Well, I, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, we'll just, we'll end this one here. And um, I appreciate you okay. taking the time to, to chat and, and bring guys up to speed on what's up with Scott and uh, and who you are. And not not that everybody's going to interact with you directly. Like you say, we'll, we'll talk mostly with <laughs> distributor yeah, we'll, reps. We'll, but, we'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, cool. Uh, Always, always enjoy it, and the industry is a great industry to be involved in. Uh, and you know, whether anybody wants to contact you or me directly if they have questions, uh, that's what we're here for. Awesome, Primo. Thanks for getting on, buddy. Absolutely. Thanks, thanks BC.